This CKNW podcast for AIM Medical Imaging, home of AIM Medical Imaging full body MRI scanning. A family history of medical issues is nothing to ignore. Book a preventative screening at aimmedicalimaging.com. You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio with Andy Barrar and Graham Williams from the Get Connected team. Thanks for tuning in today. Got uh, an interesting show. A little bit later, we'll uh, be uh, looking at uh, kind of a, an interesting report. The Commissioner for Complaints for Telecommunication Services uh, recently released their report and basically uh, showed how all the different carriers fared as far as complaints went. Some interesting stuff there, so you'll want to stay tuned uh, <laughs> to hear about uh, that. Lots of interesting stuff in the news uh, this week, guys. Uh, I think the big one for me was the uh, the LG Smart TV, I'm going to call fiasco. Yeah. So a lot of the televisions that are available now for purchase, the big screen TVs, are what are, you're called smart TVs. And being smart essentially means that uh, they've got a computer inside them and you plug them into the internet. And doing that allows you to stream content from like Netflix your own home network, and a number of other streaming services uh, as well. Well, anyway, this gentleman uh, in uh, the UK, um, his name is Jason Huntley. He's an IT consultant there. He uh, checked into his TV there, the LG TV he had, and found that it was sending him uh, all sorts, or not sending him, sending LG uh, all the information about his viewing habits, all the channels he watched. And also, if he had plugged in any... Uh, hard drives or USB keys to watch his own videos he might have downloaded from the internet. It sent all the file names of those as well. That it did. And so I found it interesting because, um, you know, these things get sent all the time. Like when you sign up for different things on your computer, you know, they ask you, do you want to send anonymous data? Well, I guess with the LG TVs, and I'm sure a lot of the other ones are probably like this as well, it's just turned on by default. Mm-hmm. You don't even get to acknowledge that they're sending that information. They forgot to ask. Yes. So what makes this worse is that he then turned it off. He found it in the settings where he could turn that off, and he turned it off. And what do you think happened? I should turn it off, right? Yeah. Yep. No. <laughs> it was still sending. <laughs> it, was it was still <laughs> sending. And so obviously that's a concern. And so he reached out to <laughs> LG, and uh, they basically blamed the retailer that he got it from, saying that uh, they didn't... Um, go through the terms and conditions of the television clearly enough. So it appears smart TVs are smarter than you think. (laughs) I don't know. What do you guys think? It's one of those things where uh, LG obviously made a huge mistake with this. um, And really... The idea here was that they were sending the file names back so that they could go get information about those files. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, anybody who's downloaded something who probably shouldn't have is probably looking at this going, they're about to rat me out. Yeah. Right? So you, you feel a little a little nervous about it. Um, really, at this point, they came out yesterday, and they were very contrite. Finally, they issued an apology. They said the whole thing was going to be fixed in a firmware um, update. But this was a huge mistake. It was a major gaffe on LG's part. And they really should have been up front with the consumer and said, hey, we, uh, this is what we're doing, and we shouldn't be doing it anymore. You know what's funny? It's Samsung is just having a field day right now. <laughs> they are just like, I know, but are, are their TVs not sending it as well? I mean, they send out a press release saying uh, their TVs didn't uh, send information about people's hard drives they hooked up mm. to the TV. But they didn't say anything about their viewing habits. Basically, this all comes down to LG is trying to sell advertising. Yes. So they want to understand your viewing habits to be able to 
you know, tailor these ads to you. Yeah. But what really bugs me, and this still bugs me, you know, like the terms of service where you say, I have read and agree to these terms. Yes. I have not read it, but I want, We're I want a liars. I want a box that says, I have not read this, but I still agree to it, whatever <laughs> it is that I'm agreeing to. But don't make me say that I have read something that I have not read. You're making me a liar and I'm not happy about exactly. it. Exactly. You know what? Here, here's, here's the thing. I understand the advertising thing. I get it. It makes sense, right? But if you're going to advertise me, I want whatever whatever it is that you're advertising on for free. Google gets it, right? You're going to advertise to me through my email. You give me my email for free. So LG, you are happy to watch my viewing habits. I just want the TV for free. How's that sound? Works for me, right? That's <laughs> yeah, not going to happen. <laughs> but you know, I, I was talking to Jill Bennett earlier this morning on her show, and it, it just goes to show you we have to be careful. The more we get connected. Uh, in this world, and everything's being connected now. You know, te- televisions are one thing, but you know, we're starting to see fridges and appliances, like washing machines, connected to the network and the internet. Uh, I think we have to be careful with what kind of information is going out to wherever, especially when like issues like the NSA are in front of everyone's mind. You know, Mike, you always say this: like there is no privacy. You have no. no it's dead. It's like, gone. It's gone. It's one of those things, though, where if they're watching me so often, maybe they could give, you just get back to me with some tips on how to organize my life better. You know, make it better for me that way. <laughs> exactly. Like, they know me better than I know myself at this point. Just help me yes. out a little bit. Graham, you should do your laundry on Tuesdays instead of the Thursdays where right? you leave it to the last minute. You just get a notification. We notice that you don't have any more clean socks. Yeah. You should probably do laundry tonight. Well, like, you, Mike, you were mentioning uh, how everything is connected. They call it the Internet of Things, mm-hmm. machine to machine. So all these different devices from watches to fridges to your stove – Everything is going to connect to the internet, and we're going to see this in the future. It's going to be a huge market. It was crazy because uh, the other night I was uh, into my router settings, was having a few issues, and I was just looking at all the devices that are hooked up to the router. Oh my god! Yeah. There's like dozens. <laughs> like it's crazy. Yeah. This is how Skynet begins. <laughs> From the Terminator movies. From the Terminator movies. Uh, this is uh, interesting as well. Uh, Virgin Galactic. Uh, Richard Branson's, I guess, space flight company, uh, launching soon. Yep. Uh, quarter of a million dollars to get uh, a seat on one of the flights. I guess it takes you to the edge of space and you're weightless. Uh, he's saying that uh, they'll accept Bitcoins now. Yeah. The new digital currency that I still can't explain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, was, I was saying before the show that uh, earlier this year, I decided to build a Bitcoin machine. And a Bitcoin machine mines for Bitcoins. You go and find these things. Hey, so when you say internet. a Bitcoin machine, this yes. isn't like some robot that's digging in the ground. This is a computer hooked up to the internet. This is not Johnny Five. This is, this is just a computer. It had a very powerful video card in it. And the video card uh, does computations to dig into this code to find Bitcoin. Okay, but how much did this computer cost you? 1300 bucks. And... That's that you had to get one that powerful. Yeah, yeah, you needed something with some. Okay, so you spent thirteen hundred dollars on this computer. Yes. with an internet connection, yes. and it's mining for bitcoins. Mining Is this like bitcoins. some sort of software that does this? Yeah, so they're basically the bitcoin software. Uh, the same software that mines for bitcoins is the same software that handles transactions so people can pass money back and forth. Uh, and so you run that software, and it kind of digs in. It's a bitcoin miner, and it finds these bitcoins in the blockchain. Why? Why? So, well, so here's the thing, you know, you looked at it and you're like, I'm going to spend $1,300. And at, at the time, Bitcoin was about 75 bucks. And after about 75 bucks for Bitcoin, for Bitcoin. Yeah. And based on the difficulty of how long it was going to take to mine for Bitcoin, I was going to break even in about six months, you know, and then I'm, but the thing here is I'm supporting this new currency. I think it's kind of a cool, it's a very geeky idea. 
And when you've got a computer that's just kind of sitting in your house and people are like, what's that? That's mining for Bitcoin. Their eyes just sort of glaze over. It's a but great why, moment. But why are they the Bitcoin people? I don't even know who the Bitcoin people are. Winklevoss. Okay. <laughs> Winklevoss. Uh, oh, yeah, those guys. <laughs> why are they even giving you a Bitcoin? Like, what's, what's in it for them? The action of being part of the blockchain, you're sustaining the infrastructure for people to pass money back and forth. Right, so it's like how terrorists like transfer money back and forth. That absolutely, sounds really just shady. like um, there's another type of currency that they do that with cash. Yeah, um, okay. but it, it's anyone can use it. I mean, it can be anonymous. Right, it is very much unregulated. How long have you been mining for Bitcoin? I've been mining for about four months. Four months. Yeah. So, and I, how many do you have? I've got six now. Are you kidding me? Do yeah. you know how much they're worth? Yeah. Well, that yeah, that was the thing, right? I, I completely forgot about these things. They were worth probably about you know. They'd almost got to about twelve hundred dollars, um, you know, for for all for my, all six of them, um, about three four weeks ago. It was worth twelve hundred. Yeah. Okay. And they're now worth uh, eight hundred dollars a piece. Does that not sound fishy to you? Like, yes, absolutely. But can you sell? Okay, you got a Bitcoin. Can you sell it? Yes, I did. Who, who do you sell it to? I actually transferred it to somebody else here in Vancouver. There's actually a Bitcoin ATM here yes. in Vancouver. The right? first in the world. Yeah. Right. So I was able to actually. I went to a Starbucks. I uh, did a transfer. Now, Revenue Canada, don't worry. I will be declaring this as income. <laughs> is it income? Calm down. It is. Right? Okay. So you sold this mm-hmm. nothingness. Nothingness. And received some cash out of it. And I've actually made my investment back on the computer. How exciting. So anyone can do this. So you can. You have to get a powerful computer. Well, here's the thing. The As things become more difficult with Bitcoin, um, the profitability of doing it with a computer becomes lower and lower. Okay. So there are now specialized machines that you can buy, and there's a whole thing going on with them. But these things are called cryptocurrencies. A Bitcoin is a cryptocurrency. So anybody out there who's thinking about getting into Bitcoin right now but wants to do it casually, I would suggest taking a look into Litecoin. That's L-I-T-E, coin. And it's sort of an alternate cryptocurrency. If Bitcoin is gold... Uh, then Litecoin is silver. And there's still plenty of opportunities to make some money in Litecoin. Give that a shot. Call me old school. I'm just going to stick with loonies and toonies. Right? <laughs> you, you got a pocket full of cash. You know you got a pocket full of cash. But then, like I said, three weeks ago, my Bitcoins were worth $200 a pop. Now they're $800. they are going to yeah, be 200 that, next week. That, okay, does that not sound sketchy? Really, that, it does. Yeah, like what currency in the world? It's not like the Canadian dollar all of a sudden quadruples in value over the U.S. dollar. I think Zimbabwe did that at one point. Okay, so... So this is like an African nation. <laughs> no, it actually is a, a very solid currency. It's been at $200 for the, probably about the past, you know, I'd say year. Yeah. Around there. There was a crash and there was a recovery. And it's kind of been around that like $150 to $200 range. But um, it's one of those things where right now, because it's becoming more popular, because more people are looking into it, it's becoming more valuable. And it is slightly inflationary right now. I don't know where the, the level set is for Bitcoin, but I think it actually is. I think there's an incredibly positive future for it. Uh, the U.S. Senate yesterday said that, not yesterday, but earlier in the week, said it was a, a, something that deserves looking into. Well, we'll uh, stay abreast of any new developments there. Thank you, Graham Williams. (laughs) We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we will be talking about complaints. Complaints against uh, the telephone or the cell carriers. Uh, They actually went up (laughs) this year. But there was one carrier where it decreased dramatically. And we'll find out who and why. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs, here on the Chorus Radio Network, back after this. You're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here in studio with Andy Barrar and Graham Williams from the Get Connected team. We're broadcasting live across Canada on the Chorus Radio Network. Of course, you can listen to us online as well at getconnectedmedia.com, cknw.com, and through the Chorus Radio app, which I use all the time. 
Love it. It is so good, mm-hmm. especially when you're downtown and the reception's not so good on the radio. It's clear as a bell. So people like to complain. I know I do. <laughs> and and uh, people like to compl- uh, complain a lot about their cell phone carriers uh, as well. There is uh, the Commissioner for Complaints for Telecommunication Services. Uh, they issue an annual report basically tabulating all the complaints they get uh, from the different carriers. Um, and not good. Uh, this uh, past year here, overall, the industry saw a 26% increase in complaints. Uh, Bell, up 42%. Rogers, up 32%. The one interesting one that just bucked the trend here was uh, TELUS. Uh, on the line right now, we have Josh Blair. Thanks for joining us, Josh. Uh, thank you for having me, Mike and Andy. So you guys actually decreased. Everyone else increased, including the industry in general, and you guys were down 27%. What happened? Well, it's a great result for our organization, and it's not a one-time result either. If you look at the year before, we were down 13% uh, when the industry was up 35%. So this is a trend for TELUS, and frankly what happened is in 2009, we made putting customers first the number one priority at our company. We said we're going to make our pricing plan simple, uh, we're going to make our billing simple. Uh, we're going to remove fees that are irritants for customers. Uh, we're going to provide learning centers so customers can come in and learn about their wireless device at our stores. Uh, and we've had a great track record for years and years of giving back to the community. And I think we're starting to see the traction of those efforts now. And we're going to keep at it. And, you know, the other thing I would say is TELUS just represented 6.4% of the overall complaints uh, whereas others were up at uh, 28 and 27 percent of the overall complaints. We won't mention their names. <laughs> uh, it, it's interesting, though, like making that investment. I mean, I would think that would actually save you money on not having to deal with all all these complaints. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a great question. It's interesting. When we first started down on this path, um, the investment community looked at us with a raised eyebrow in the sense of, isn't it going to cost you a lot more money to invest in all the customer service? actions that you're taking. But now, a few years down the road, they're seeing the opposite because it makes good business sense to do this. And uh, the result of that, to just give you a sense of it, when we, the big three companies reported their wireless churn, which is how many customers leave them any given month uh, for the third quarter, we were at 0.99%. The other two big ones were at 1.23% and 1.20%. And those are huge differences when you're talking about we have 8 million clients uh, on wireless, the other two of eight million and nine and a half million, and so all of a sudden the investment community is going, "Wow, this is a smart move." And <laughs> Telus's financials are doing well, and Telus's shareholder return is doing well. So this all fits together. It's like you guys are rocket scientists all of a sudden. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes you only get there once you've proven that uh, that a strategy uh, makes sense. Well, I mean, as common business practice, it's uh, you know cheaper to keep you know, existing customers than to go out and get new ones. So that churn rate is uh, obviously a very important thing in your industry. Well, and, and not only that, the way we measure um, customer satisfaction at TELUS isn't just to say, are you satisfied with our organization? We go as far to say, would you recommend us to your friend and family, to your friends and family? And I think that's a very powerful measure. We're at about 72% of our clients right now would recommend us to their friends and their family. We want to get that number uh, much higher, obviously, into the 90%. If you look at other companies, it would be quite a bit lower than where we're at today. So we want to go so far as uh, not only keeping our existing customers, but to have them recommend us to prospective customers and then to get a very powerful cycle going there where you've got so much momentum. It's just great for your clients and great for your organization. 
Josh, one of the big trends we're starting to see right now is when people want to complain, they actually go and turn to social media to vent their frustrations. Are you guys listening to uh, your social media channels for customer complaints? Absolutely, in a big way. So we have uh, a social media channel at Telesupport on Twitter, which is probably the number one place where uh, people voice their concerns and and uh, comments and ideas. And, and so we're right on top of that 724. And you have to be. And it's very important to be honest, forthright, say sorry when you've made a mistake. Uh, we make our share of mistakes. Uh, and, and the real mistake is if you don't learn from it. So our whole goal at Telus is to learn from that mistake. And we got a great team that uh, mans our uh, social media lines, both on Facebook, uh, Twitter, LinkedIn, you name it. And it's a, a very important place to be. Well, Josh, uh, I want to congratulate you uh, on that, and uh, good luck next year. Well, thank you. And, you know, i got to say uh, it's really all down to the employees of TELUS. we got a great team. In fact, uh, we just did our latest employee satisfaction survey, and it came in at 83% of uh, our employees are engaged or committed in the organization. And uh, the third party who does that survey, Aon Hewitt, came back to us and said, for a company of your size and composition, you guys are number one in the world. So you can see how it links together, right? Employee satisfaction leads to better customer service, better client results, better financial results, better shareholder return, and uh, we're the leader in the world on that front, too. And you've got the happiest critters. Well, uh, you know, uh, brand is important, and as is what you do in the community, right? Josh, thanks uh, again for joining us on the show today. Uh, My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Josh Blair, he's the uh, communications uh, officer over at uh, TELUS. It's interesting. Like, it's... If you give good customer service, it pays off. It's I, funny, uh, Graham, I, we both follow each other on Twitter, and I always see you venting to TransLink. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my bus? My bus is late. It, it's funny. I've, I've been with, uh, with TELUS for, geez, going on, since it was ClearNet. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not on a contract, but I've never had any urge to leave them. And that, I think, speaks, uh, speaks volumes, for me anyway. I'm going to open up the phone lines. We're going to go open line, taking any of your tech calls and questions, long distance, anywhere, toll-free, 1-877-399-9898. I want to hear from all our uh, Alberta listeners. And in the Vancouver area, 604-280-9898. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Hey, you're back with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. We've got Andy Barrar and Graham Williams from the Get Connected team. We're going open line now, taking your tech calls and questions. 604-280-9898. Long distance, anywhere in Canada, 1-877-399-9898. We have Tom in Calgary. How you doing, Tom? Excellent. Great show as usual, guys. Thank you. I just wanted to make the comment, our carriers in Canada are not good. Give us the opportunity to let a foreign carrier come in, and you will see we will all leave. I mean, the service is pathetic. They can skew the numbers how they want. I mean, a while back you had somebody on from TELUS about talking about uh, t- uh, cell phone rates. They can say what they want. Give us the opportunity because these jobs, these call centers are in other countries. Anyway, the service is a disaster. We want better service. Allows American companies to come in here or anybody else in the world. Give them a fair footing, and you will see we will leave in droves because these guys give poor service. And they're just skewing the market with, uh, they, you know, they can capitalize on it. There's nobody to go to. All three of them are a bunch of undesirables. So here's a question. Why aren't you with wind or public? Uh, if you can't get good service, you know, you just... You, the, the reception, you mean? Yeah, but I mean, yeah. the majority of Canadians live in areas where wind actually does have service. I've got a friend of mine who's on wind. He absolutely loves it. 
Well, ask him if he's gone everywhere, because I'm told you can go to one end of the mall and get service and go to the other end and not get service. <laughs> you just got to hang out on the right side of the mall. Yeah. Well, exactly. <laughs> but the point <laughs> is, sense. you know, you need to have coverage. If you're paying for uh, coverage and you don't have coverage in some spots, to me, it's not worth it. But give us the opportunity, open it up, because, you know, competition allows good companies to flourish. It allows the others to sink. And, you know, the truth is, my bill went up. I didn't change any of my service. My bill went up over 27%. And, you know, since August to now, you know, to try and get it resolved, these guys are inappropriate, unprofessional, and it takes so long to talk to somebody, and after 40 minutes you get some snot girl cut you off. Nobody <laughs> likes that. They hurt you, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. There's well, an anger here. You know, when you had those other people on, they're talking about tele-cell service and, you know, one of their representatives saying that the cell rates were cheaper in Canada than the States. It was just absolutely untrue, and I think they made themselves look very unprofessional making comments like that. Well, it's interesting. Uh, you know, we saw Verizon potentially coming into the uh, into the country uh earlier this year, but they obviously did not go for it. But uh, apparently they have hired lobbyists in Ottawa. Mm -hmm. um, so we'll see where that goes over the next couple of years. But I think it's challenging for these big foreign companies to come in because it's a huge investment in infrastructure, really. Well, that's the thing. I mean, Wynn's come in, and they're backed by Osircom, which is an Egyptian company, so there's your foreign investment right there. And even owned by them anymore. No, but, but they yeah, were. Yeah. But it's one of those things where, like, we've seen some of this foreign influence come in, and if we're now complaining that it's come in and the service isn't good enough, you know, is Verizon going to be able to do that? Are they going to dump a bunch of money into a market that has 30 million people max? Like, does that well, make that, a lot well, of that's, sense? Well, yeah, that's the thing, I, right? I, you I, look at the U.S. market with it's like 10 times the size, literally. Yeah. Same with the European Union. That's 10 times the size. Asia, I, I, I don't even know how I know it's at least 10 times the size. I know, I know that Verizon is the size of TELUS, Bell, and Rogers, four times the size of them combined. Yeah. That just shows how big they are. Here's, here's the thing. I agree with the caller. I think we absolutely do need some foreign investment here. I would love to see lower prices here in Canada. I just don't think that you snap your fingers, you have foreign investment here, and prices go down. I don't know if that happens. What we should do is we should find out. I would love to see that personally. Yeah, I think uh, I think Verizon is still looking into to coming into Canada because they. You, I know. You but I, I just got to think, like you know, as a business guy, you know, the amount of money that they would have. I mean, sure, they'll probably buy one of the you know smaller carriers or two, but. The amount of money that they would have to invest into building out that infrastructure is like crazy. Yeah. And they must – I mean they're going to do the math. You know, how many customers can they possibly get? They're not going to get $30 million. You know, the biggest carriers here have like $6 million. Yeah. So what you're saying here is that it's actually time for the Canadian government to seize all of the infrastructure to make it public. No? You're not saying that? Okay. Oh, no, no. <laughs> going to jump here to the phone lines again. Uh, we've got uh, Alan in White Rock. Hey, Alan. Good morning. Good morning. I uh, love your program when I may get a chance to hear it. Oh, thank you. Um, I have a question on uh, Microsoft Outlook. I have for my mail. Yep. I have two computers, both running Windows 7. And when I get uh, mail from probably about four, four different people, they come in as ASCII instead of text. And it's okay on, on the older computer, on the, new, the newer computer, uh, it comes in as ASCII. What is wrong? I, I, I the same emails basically. It's just emails, yeah. Yeah, and it's the same ones going to both computers. Yes, it yeah. Is. 
Thoughts there, Graham? I would probably head into your properties and make sure that you're reading email as uh, as HTML. Yeah. Because uh, it sounds like this, what's actually happening is you're getting an HTML email in, and it's parsing it as real text. So you're just seeing the code. If it actually is just straight ASCII text, that's interesting. It's probably an encode issue, which, um, you know, you can see a number of, like, Western ISO, Arabic, that kind of thing. Uh, I don't remember exactly where that is, but you'd need to switch that over to Western ISO to make that work properly. Um, so going into the Outlook settings. Going to the Outlook settings, look for read email as HTML. Uh, if that doesn't work, you need to go and see about the actual text encoding. And again, Google that one because I don't remember where it is. And you can usually tell because you won't be able to hyperlink in, in there. So that's when you know that you have to go into your settings to, to switch it. Because sometimes when you send emails from phones, it, it, it goes as HTML. Yep. So you have to go into the settings and make sure that, it, uh, that it's set that way. Yeah. We've got a few contests going on here, uh, Andy, some good ones. We've got a fabulous contest. We're giving away a TELUS Samsung Galaxy S4 Mini. This is the famous S4, but it's the miniature version. Mike, I know you were just trying it at my desk. I liked it. It's, you know, I just find some of these phones are getting too big. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, I've got a tablet, so if I want a bigger experience, I'm going to use a tablet so I can actually see everything that I'm, I'm doing. I, just sometimes with, you know, some of these large smartphones now, they're getting like five-inch screens. They're all five-inch now. And it's just hard to hold that and actually, with one hand, do everything. You actually have to have two hands to use the phones. Yeah, I'm using the Samsung Galaxy Note 3. That's a 5.7-inch screen. Yeah. It's really hard in the pocket. <laughs> I, know. I know, but, I mean, you, like, how is that carrying that thing around all the time? Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm going to give it two weeks. Yeah. I was like, you know what, maybe I'll get used to it. But Because uh, I've been moving, I move phones, like, every couple of weeks just to, you know, review them. But the S4 Mini is a fantastic prize that we're giving. It's a TELUS one. Go to our website, www.getconnectedmedia.com. Hit on the contest tab to enter and win. It's a fabulous contest. This one's got the smaller screen. It's got so a smaller you can screen. hold it in your hand and put it in your pocket. It's got all that Samsung Galaxy goodness. Yes. And they just announced that the Samsung Galaxy S4 and the Mini, they all work with the new uh, Galaxy Gear watch. So I see one on your wrist. I know. I'm, uh, I'm kind of reviewing it right now. I'm having uh, some issues, technical issues, but... Uh, did you know you can you can turn the screen on if you flick your wrist towards you? Really? Yeah, give it a shot. Oh, didn't. Oh, yeah, there right. we go. Yeah, Nate. Nice. I learned something new every day. <laughs> <laughs> that watch is huge. <laughs> it is. So far, all I can do is see the what the weather is like. You know, I haven't. Yeah. Uh, I can too. I just look up. I'm gonna, and it has a camera. I so I have I'm, to pay three hundred dollars. <laughs> it has a camera in it, so maybe I'll take pictures of you. Okay. Without okay. you knowing. We've also got another contest uh, for uh, the business folks out there from a Global Coupon. You can find out more information up on our website. Uh, but uh, they're uh, giving away memberships, uh, $2,500 credits towards the annual digital platform business membership. Uh, and this is a great opportunity if you want to advertise your business uh, online, uh, especially kind of at the ground floor here. You can actually go in and, in many cases, own the category that uh, you are in. So uh, get more information up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. Uh, $2,500 credit towards the um, the business membership. It's actually pretty cool, and we're, uh, we're using it ourselves now. Yeah, it sounds well. like a fantastic contest for uh, small business owners. Getconnectedmedia.com. Hit the contest page. All the information is up there. We're going to have to take a break. When we come back, more of your calls and questions. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You're back with Get Connected. We're open line here, taking your calls and questions on any tech topic. 604-280-9898. One eight seven seven three nine 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 eight nine eight is the number long distance. Let's get some of all our Alberta listeners uh, calling in. On the line right now, we've got Hanine from Richmond. How you doing? Uh, I'm fine, thanks. Um, 
Thank you, gentlemen, for taking my call. It's my first uh, first time to call this number. Oh, great. Uh, my question, uh, my question is, is, uh, is about my uh, wireless uh, printer. Yeah. Um, I have I, I have uh, uh, Lenovo X sixty one ThinkPad laptop. Yeah. And uh, the wireless printer is HP sixty six hundred. Okay. Yeah. And I use uh, Netgear yep. wireless router. And you're having problems connecting sometimes. The uh, I, I uh, the computer is, uh, is connected wirelessly to uh, to the router. There's mm-hmm. no problem with that. And uh, the the printer is wirelessly connected to the router. There's yep. no problem. But the computer cannot talk to uh, the printer. Did it ever? Uh, I, I called HP uh, technical support three times, yep. and three times. Uh, they were able to log into my computer and did a bunch of uh, configuration changes. Yeah, uh, still not work. Really? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's that's the thing with some of these wireless uh, Wi-Fi printers. Like, either they work and that's great, or you you get problems like uh, Hanin here is having. I, I have I have an HP seventy seven eighty at home myself, uh, and I have the same issues as you do. Like it it works sometimes, and sometimes it's just off the network and. I found what I had to do, and I'm sorry if this sounds a little complicated or stupid, but uh, you can go to the HP printer, and on the settings menu, there's like a little touch screen there or a little screen where you can see all the settings. Um, Go into the settings area and get the wired network summary and find out what the IP address is to that printer. And typically, it's like 192.168.something-something. Write that down, Uh, and then go to your computer your laptop in this case, and get into the printer properties. You can find that in the control panel. Um, but get in there, and somewhere in that uh, in those settings, it'll tell you what it thinks is the printer's IP address. And you will find, nine times out of ten, if it's not working, it's different. So you'll want to input what the printer has on its screen into your laptop. And when I do that, then it works again for a while. Does your printer, mic have an email address attached to it? No, it's... Kind of a, a generation before that. Yeah, because they, they realize that a lot of people have these problems. So they what they've done is given their printers a dedicated email address so you could email the printer yeah. and then it will print, which is a, a good feature because a lot of people have problems. I don't know any better answer because I, I continue to run in, especially with my HP printers. Yeah. I, I continue to run into that, like the, the Wi-Fi ones anyway. What they're trying to do now is use what's called Wi-Fi Direct. Yeah. So just like your router creates a wi- wireless network, your printer will do that as well. So it makes it more stable. So then you have a stable connection directly to your printer. You don't need like the whole drivers. And what's interesting is that now that everybody has mobile devices like smartphones and tablets, they're actually installing the printer software to connect with it right into the operating system. Yeah. So like AirPrint has it a feature so that you because so many people have these issues. Yourself too, and you're a tech expert. Oh, it it it, it drove me crazy because I would sit there for the longest time trying to figure out what the hell was going on with this thing i'd reinstall the software sometimes that worked yeah uh for a while and then it would just disconnect again which drove me mental the uh, the hp office jet 6600 actually is e-print compatible so it does have the email address that andy was talking about but it also uses the hp software to e-print directly e-print actually lets you print to your printer from anywhere in the world yeah so essentially you could be out at a coffee shop hit print and it will go through the internet back to your printer at home as long as the printer is connected to the router, yeah. that should work. So try using ePrint to see if you can do that. 
Second suggestion would be if you've got a router that's got a USB connection in it, instead of wirelessly connecting the printer to the router, physically connect the printer to the router through USB. Yeah. That actually I found has had much more success for me. I've got a Kodak at home, and it does work, and it's just it's ancient and needs to be replaced, but it actually works because it's plugged into my router. But you know what's interesting? Um, I eventually then hardwired my printer because it's got a network mm-hmm. cable connection into my router, and I still had the damn problem. Really? It would just occasionally misalign the IP address from what the printer had mm-hmm. to what the computer thought it had. Yeah. So I don't know if that's a router issue or a printer issue. And frankly, I don't have the time. <laughs> to, <laughs> or the patience. Or the patience to invest. <laughs> I know in the, the, the caller was saying he had a Netgear. I love Netgear stuff, but he may want to take a look at a Linksys router as a, as a possible replacement. Some of their newer stuff really does well with uh, wireless printing, so that's a great option too. We're going to have to take another break. When we come back, a few more of your calls and questions. You're listening to Get Connected, brought to you by London Drugs here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. Happy times. We're back here with Get Connected. Mike Agger by Andy Barrar, Graham Williams. On the tweetering, we've got Christina Stoyanova as well, tweeting most things properly today. <laughs> Going to jump here to the phone lines once again. We've got Elaine in Chilliwack. Hey, Elaine. Hi. Hi. Um, silly question, maybe. Um, on my computer, it's a Dell laptop, several years old. It shows that I have an OS, like my C drive. Yes. And then it says network location, which is named after me, uh, Z drive. Yep. And when I boot up, sometimes it says cannot connect to the Z. Mm-hmm. Oh, why do I have these two different? Z drive. and uh, Yeah. Did you ever use this thing for work or anything? No. No, no just, just home. Just home. I was going to say, usually a Z drive is a network share. Yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Um Oh, okay, so... Did you have anything connected to your network in the way of a hard drive, anything like that? Or is it just your computer standalone? It's, um, it is a standalone, but I was networking with a computer downstairs. So that's probably... It was probably I'm... sharing a drive off of your computer downstairs. Uh, is, it, if the, is the computer downstairs still there? Uh, it is, but we're not talking to each other anymore, as far as I know. I've been Had a falling out? <laughs> 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 no, I send them to the, to the man cave. <laughs> you should be able to, in your Explorer, right-click on the drive and click Unmap Network Drive, and that should disconnect it from your uh, from your network schema and oh, should okay. stop bothering you about it. There's really no problem of it being there, so if you do plug the other computer back in and you do want them mm-hmm. to get back together, they can... <laughs> Okay, so it's, uh, it, yeah, it just seems, why is it not, you know, why doesn't it come up on boot? That's what I would... Yeah, no, so it's not causing any problems, so that's, no, not, no. that's the problem, or that's, that's good. Uh, jumping here to Evelyn. How are you, Evelyn? Oh, I'm superb now. Oh, good. My, my old uh, TV died after only three years, so yep. I went back to the little boy at the big box store, and he sold me a smart TV. As they do. Yes. Yeah. Um, one of the big features I need is I'm getting real old and I can't hear, so I needed to use my headphones. Okay. These new TVs do not support headphones. Oh. Yeah, my smart TV operates everything, including the pop door and the chicken house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you got one of those. That's awesome. <laughs> it doesn't support my headphones. Okay. I went round and round with Samsung for about three hours yesterday. That was fun. Yeah. Anyway, I happen to be downtown and to a real technician, and yeah. he said, yes, because we are the oldest population in Canada, I carry these. Yeah. And he has a little, an app for that, eh? Okay. It's a, it's a little add-on converter box that converts and will run everything. Cool. And actually, he said, but first, go home and try and just plug it into the Shaw box. Okay. Works 
good, wonderful. Oh, oh great. Yeah, so if people who need the headphones buy a TV, and it looks like the jacks are there. Yeah. But they don't, they work for a while, and then they quit. Huh. Because uh, they're not set up to do that. He's, Mr. Samsung said it was uh, um, for DVDs. Yeah. But anyway, there's uh, a truth for some of your older people. No, I appreciate the call. Thank you. Okay, bye. Well... Looks like we're uh, out of time here. It's interesting. Uh, we're talking about bitcoins earlier, and Graham was wowing us with his intimate knowledge. Apparently, Sahir, our control room operator, is a bitcoin miner as well. I'm surrounded by you, crazy. <laughs> it's the future, miners. right? <clears throat> yes. Sahir is. You guys are really passionate about it. Absolutely. Yeah, and apparently rich. Yeah, you know, I sleep on a pile of money. Do you? No. So here, do you sleep on a pile of money? Yeah, he's nodding his head uh, as well. And that pile's only going to grow. Right? <laughs> Here's a Bitcoin. <laughs> you know what? Uh, on one of the upcoming shows, I want to talk more about this because I just, I want to fully understand it. It still sounds crazy and sketchy to me, but we'll figure it out. We will talk Bitcoin. I think that's all the time we have left. I want to thank all the people that helped put this together. So here on the controls, we've got Graham and Andy here in the studio. Thanks, Andy, for producing the show as well. Christina Stoyanova on the Twittering and all the other uh, folks on the Get Connected team. Tasia, Paul, Tristan, Al. I'm probably forgetting people, but I love you all. Logging off for Get Connected. We'll see you again next week.